Did you know, dear listeners, there was, not that long ago, a time before the internet, before people met on Tinder or eHarmony or sliding into each other's DMs, a time when two people actually met in person before deciding if they wanted to be together. Well, it was way back then when Luke here met Lucy. But there was no real um, overtones of anything other than friendship for maybe a year. And then I remember she said something cheeky in the studio one night and she winked at me. And I just, I remember that wink because it's something where you go, you've never done that before. And a wink kind of means something, particularly, I can't remember what she said when she winked but I just sort of knew there might be something here. But, of course, then the internet did come along and new ways of finding out what's really going on behind closed doors. They were images of men. Uh, This was the early days of the internet and clearly I didn't realise that she could see what I was looking at. You can't imagine the wash of horror that comes over you. When that's brought up, something you thought was um, no, private, I guess. Boom, there it is. I'm Georgia Love and this is Everyone Has an Ex. Come with me as we dive into a collection of unconventional stories about relationships past through the eyes and the hearts of the very people who lived them. To begin this story, I need to take you back to the 90s, when music was only available on vinyl, CDs and cassettes, and radio was the gateway to hearing your favourite tunes. It was also Luke's side hustle. One of my greatest, probably my greatest hobby, was um, presenting a community radio show. I loved dance music and I loved radio, so I did this show on a suburban station in Melbourne's eastern suburbs every Saturday night, six till eight. And there was a woman a young woman who did the show after me. And she was the most sophisticated young woman I'd ever really dealt with in any ongoing way. I was 21. She was four years to the day older than me, exactly the same birthday. And I'd interacted with, you know, young women, of course. I'd had girlfriends. Um, They were all my age or younger. I'd met them through school. They'd been, some of them, maybe six, 12 months, maybe only three of them in high school. It was never really a huge priority for me to find a girlfriend. Um, I'd just started work as a journalist, so I had a lot of other things taking my time and it wasn't, it was something that was fine when it happened, but I wasn't looking for a wife and I wasn't at that stage yet of, you know, trying to find a, a, a partner. Um, in any sort of forced way. Uh, there was no Tinder. There was no, nothing like that. She'd come out of a sort of a slightly rough relationship. Um, I wasn't dating anyone. I don't think she was. Um, no, we were just happy hanging out. But you know how the old story goes. Strangers turn into friends who turn into radio co-hosts. And so every week I would see Lucy at the radio station. We would change over when my show finished, hers started. So we would chat, you know, as that quick process happened and then eventually she would come on for the last 10 minutes of the show and then I would sit in for the first 10 minutes of her and eventually 
My two-hour show and her two-hour show became a four-hour show. That was much easier on radio because she had someone to talk to and she was a great person to talk to. We just had a vibe. We just clicked. She laughed at all my stupid jokes. She was great at creating conversations. She was cheeky and playful, funny, sharp, smart. And even though she was only four years older than me, she felt like there was a real allure to her. I used the word sophistication because that's kind of how it felt, an older woman. But there was no real um, overtones of anything other than friendship for maybe a year. And then I remember she said something cheeky in the studio one night and she winked at me. And I just, I remember that wink because it's something where you go, you've never done that before. And a wink kind of means something, particularly, I can't remember what she said when she winked, but I just sort of knew there might be something here. And we started socialising, going out for drinks, hanging outside the radio station. And then we went to a place called the Saloon Bar and we were having drinks one night and we kissed. I'm pretty sure it was me. I'm pretty sure I leaned in. But I feel like there had been, it had sort of the flirting had been stepping up and it's then a natural progression. You sort of like to think you have a certain amount of confidence to lean in that first time with your fingers crossed behind your back. And thankfully she kissed me back. And just like that, radio co-hosts turn to lovers. I wasn't the sort of young guy who was into one-night stands or hookups. That was never sort of in my wheelhouse of, oh, I'll, I'll just take her home and that'll be a little tick in the book. It was never going to be like that for me. So I guess, yeah, by doing that in my head was the expectation that it would progress in some way. And it did. It was beautiful. Like, the attraction was really lovely. Like, um, I was very drawn to her. And uh, her personality, just being around her, made me feel good. She was very comforting as well. I could feel relaxed with her. I could be myself. You know, when you meet people sometimes, you're like, okay, I've got to put on the best version of me. I didn't ever feel like that. I felt like I could just be me. I think it was reasonably quick. I want to say, I feel like it was six months where, um, and I was probably already edging towards moving out. And then you kind of go, well, why don't we just move in together and see how it goes? You know, it was this tiny little place. I was barely barely earning anything um, as a cadet reporter, you know. So it was was kind of, it was fun. You're living in tight um, quarters. you getting to know life outside, having your parents around, starting to live your life. It was really exciting. We were still doing the radio show, um, going out clubbing and socialising and holidays and weekends away and all the normal things, um, falling in love. Over the next four years, that love only grew. You get into a groove with someone and a comfort with someone and I... Never looked sideways. I never felt like um, we were going. We were doing anything other than progressing our relationship, getting closer and closer. And you know, there are then um, decisions you make about, well, where are we going to live? We're going to keep living here. And then um, I decided 
to rent a BMW convertible for a weekend away and took her down the beach. And we were just sitting on the park bench looking at the ocean and I had, um, I had a ring in my pocket. I'm trying to remember the exact words I said. It was something like, I just love having you as my best friend and partner, but I would love even more if you'd be my wife. And I was on my knee, you know, you put your hand out. <laughs> it's another drum roll moment, like the kiss. Uh, and without hesitation, she said yes. But we were married in the Botanic Gardens um, uh, in a rotunda there. And then we all walked down um, to the Yarra River and got on a boat and we sailed across to Williamstown. It was April 11, 1999. It would have been, I reckon, 27, 28 degrees. Full sun. It was great drinking weather. That's what you want on your wedding day. Um, so we all had a great day. We've been together for five years, so the world didn't suddenly turn upside down the next day because you're married. You know, life just goes on, but it's a nice settling feeling of true commitment um, where you just know you're, you're my one. Um, we, got, we got each other, you know. I got you, you got me. It just felt settling. Lucy had always wanted three kids, so it was always um, and, um, something that was very clear that we would have kids. Um, I always was wanting to be a dad. We were trying to, I think, line up getting a house first. You know, there's just priorities where you're like, okay, and now it's time. So we, we got the house. Then we started trying to have a child and it was quite quick. And what a great surprise that is when you get, I remember exactly where I was at work in a, uh, a TV station. I knew she was, you know, going to have a test and uh, she rang me and um, I sat in a stairwell because I could see that she was ringing and she said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and you'll never forget that moment, right, of joy, of excitement, of the exhilaration of, uh, of knowing that uh, your world is about to change in so many amazing ways. The pregnancy was actually um, pretty good. She was beautiful. Oh, as a pregnant woman, and I love photography, so I took so many photos and took some photos of her um, showing off that beautiful baby in her belly. But it was just a joyous time. But as it turns out, Luke had no idea what true joy for him looked like yet. That came with the arrival into the world of baby indigo. The joy of that moment of seeing her come out and holding her and kissing her and touching those little fingers. When you're holding that teeny tiny two-minute-old baby and those, those eyes look in your eyes. You know, everything's changed. For the better, of course. Not everything is for the better. You know, there's, it's, a life, it's a balance, but there's no greater 
thing in my life than her. So just remembering back to that is beautiful, beautiful. Because they're the same eyes I look in now. It was a love Luke didn't even know he was capable of. And while he thought it surely must have taken up his entire heart, he found even more space in there for a new level of overwhelming gratitude for his wife too. Instantly, Lucy was a brilliant mother. Even in pregnancy, I could see it. And even from soon after I met her, I could just tell. You've got a nurturing, comforting warmth that will easily translate, you know, in an instant if you were to become a mother. And so it was and so it still is now. She remains that same person with those same qualities. The baby bubble was real. But unfortunately, bubbles aren't built to last. That's not to say there's burst, but it did leak. Lucy was home with little Indigo while Luke worked long hours in a demanding job that saw them have to move interstate. Any woman will tell you that at that time you need support. You need your mum, you need your best friends, you need the comfort of knowing um, your family doctor or your doctor is around, for instance. Um, it's a lot easier to do that in familiar surrounds with the support and Lucy did it without that. People are flying up but that's not the same. You know, your weekends, you want to be seeing your friends, they're not there. Um, And it was hard for her. It was hard for me too but harder for her because I go off to work and she hasn't really created a a huge friendship circle up there. So it was... um, It was difficult. We were arguing. It did start and I guess, you know, on reflection, I guess it had been going for years, those niggles. Um, It would sort of go in waves um, where you'd have arguments, um, you know, you'd be both really cranky at each other. And then you'd catch your breath over a few days, you'd slowly get back to where you were, find that sweet spot, and then it'd blow up again a few weeks later. Um, Or maybe a month later. Then that time frame would shorten and the blow-ups would become more often and the bouncing back would become harder and the connection would start to fray because you're cranky a lot of the time at each other and the list of things that are annoying you about that person seems to be growing. As just a man and a woman in a marriage or relationship, you're really just making decisions for yourselves. Um, But then you put that new member into the mix who you are making decisions on on the behalf of you're not going to agree on everything. It's, it's a new thing to argue about and you're doing it when you're tired. You know, you want to make the right decisions for that little girl. And so if you feel like decisions, your partner's making decisions that are but creating bad habits then in that child and one's like, well, we should do it this way. No, we should do it this way. Well, who wins? Who wins? Do I say, okay, we, we'll do it your way this time, but the next time we disagree, we'll do it my way. It, it's not that structured. 
and you know you've so you've made a decision about whether you'll let them eat something or you'll let them watch TV or whatever it is and then a month down the track they throw a tantrum because they can't do that and I think it's natural for some people to want to push that in the partner's face and say see what's happened now look at what it's created I'll let you have your way to see how it would pan out and it's a disaster that sort of thing maybe a year maybe 18 months um, is where it really started to disintegrate um, and the timing is clearly terrible when you've got a newborn and then toddler um, that sort of probably doesn't help with a clear mind. Um, but, yeah, it had been, I guess, growing. The relationship was fracturing, fast, and as so often happens as the cracks start to show, things from Luke and Lucy's past came to the surface, things that perhaps hadn't been fully resolved. Also in the mix here is that um, earlier in the relationship when we were living in Brisbane, um, Lucy had found some internet history of mine. They were images of men, naked. Uh, This was the early days of the internet and clearly I didn't realise that she could see what I was looking at. You can't imagine the wash of horror that comes over you when that's brought up, something you thought was um, private, I guess. Boom, there it is. Uh, that she then spoke with me about. It wasn't a confrontation. There's no slamming of hands on the table. What are you going to say? You can't say the computer's lying. So it was, um, I just said, well, it's just a curiosity. I was just curious. And that's the truth. He wasn't gay. He was married to Lucy. And he'd only ever been with women. He loved women. The images were just an interest, a wandering mind, a curiosity that, though never spoken about or acted upon, had been there for a long, long time. I guess I had known from primary school that there was something there. Um, again, a curiosity. At that age, I didn't know what that was or meant. Um, even through high school, likewise. Um, but we're talking about the 80s. Gay culture was not prominent in mainstream media. It wasn't anywhere in my world um, except that my dad um, was extremely homophobic. So if it ever happened to be on the news or referenced in a movie we might be watching, he would um, be very negative about homosexuals, call them weirdos, um, be um, nasty. So I guess that sort of just swirled in my head subliminally as being, well, that's a bad thing. 
I desired, I guess, looking at at the images, for instance, I I was very drawn to the male aesthetic. I was attracted to that. I found it um, beautiful to look at. But taking the step to actually acting on it was a step way too far for me. Um, not just because I was in a relationship, but it was just, you know, the thought of it was like <laughs> heart-poundingly impossible to imagine. Um, you know, you, you would imagine what it might be like, but then taking that into the real world was a step too far. I'd kind of dismissed it in my mind as something that I would be able to pursue if I wanted. Um I kind of think like we'd all love to go in a spaceship and feel weightlessness and be in outer space and look back at the earth. We'd all love to do that, but we're just not going to do it. And you just know that's never going to happen in your life. So I kind of filed it away like that as, yeah, how it would be kind of fascinating to try that. But my life just doesn't allow for that. So I need to come to terms with that, and that's where it sat for me. I was not tempted to cheat. I was not tempted to, you know, push the boundaries in any way in the real world, just online. So he told Lucy this. He was open about his curiosities but assured her it was just that, not something he'd ever act upon. She was incredibly accepting um, understanding, um, curious. She definitely wanted to know where's this coming from and, well, you know, where does it, how deeply does it sit in your mind? I guess the subtext of those questions was from her, should I be worried? And I did my best to reassure her because she was really supportive, I guess, in a way about it. She was cool with it. She was like, well, that's fine, but just tell me. Talk to me about it. The key to her was communication, which is totally fair. But I let her down on that because it continued and she continued to find the internet history. This didn't help the cracks that had already been widening in their marriage. What had started as niggling annoyances became arguments. Soon the arguments became fights. Eventually, Lucy had enough. She had enough. And I remember at our house we just had a a fight and we were never really the types to slam doors or throw glasses or, you know, anything like that. But I remember, you know, being so angry with her and she was angry with me and you sort of right up close to each other letting out your frustrations and there's a certain physicality when you're angry and you're, your, re- your faces are really close to each other. And I remember just sort of trying to get out of the room and just sort of pushing past her or brushing past her to get out. And she sort of just took a step or two back because of the way I went past. And, you know, it sort of felt like borderline had I been too physical with her just then. Um, I'd never done anything like that before. Um, 
And I think that was kind of the trigger for her to say, right, that's that's it. You've in in rage, you've you know breached a physical boundary. Um, game over. It was a shock that it happened. Like she took Indigo and went to her folks' place. And then, uh, you know, a week or two later, I moved in with a schoolmate. You know, this is all very quick. You know, you don't have that sort of blow up and then say it's the end and then just keep living with each other for six months. No, it was reasonably swift, that split then. We never got close to a discussion about our next child because we were too conflicted and when Indigo was two is when it fell apart. And I'm then not just processing the end of, or, you know, the, the, a separated relationship, but I don't have Indigo in my life every day. And that's two years of every day coming home to see her from work, waking up through the night for, for whatever, you know, waking up in the morning and there she is to greet you in her cot. Two years of that beautiful intensity just flicked off. She hasn't died, but there's definitely a mourning for that loss of uh, that connection. And that change caused the darkest days I've ever had. It's clear to see Luke didn't want his marriage to be over. He wanted that family life they dreamed of together. So he didn't give up straight away. We said, let's give it a year. Let's see if we can reconcile. Um, let's, um, you know, gather our thoughts, see what are our priorities that we want if we were to reconsider. And in the end, the 12 months came and went and we both knew that that's it. But it was never a situation of, um, you know, her dropping Indigo to her parents' place and me getting her from there. It was never, thankfully, so um, conflicted that we couldn't still be in the same room together. It was, thankfully, cooperative, communicative, we both knew that if we were going to make a separated life work as a family of three, still a separated family of three, that for Indigo's sake we had to keep it together between the two of us in a cooperative, loving, you know, a new version of loving relationship. As much as a separation can be positive, it was. They never had lawyers involved, they never fought in front of Indigo or used her as a pawn. They continued to parent as best they could, getting through each day as the fog of their breakup cleared and they could start looking forward to what lay ahead in life and love. I don't think I saw the end of the marriage as the end of love in my life, but I gave it that first year and then I went on some dates with women. Um, None of them progressed to the, I think there was only three, none of them progressed to a second date, but I guess Somewhere 
somewhere in there was the the realization that uh, yeah the opportunity may well be for me to f- settle uh, or to explore my sexuality. Mm-hmm. As the years go on, still having that feeling, it's like you feel like I I need to settle this once and for all. I need to actually make the leap, answer this question that sort of sat with me for years. Is that something that would actually be something that I would enjoy or that feels like a better fit or an alternate fit, you know, in tandem with women? Could I also be with men or is it just men? Or will it help me decide it's just women? That opportunity only ever came to me truly in my head when the marriage was over. Because I was coming into my late 30s by then. The prospect of actually doing it after years of it being in my head was was, uh, a big hurdle to get over, I guess. But then you go, well, mate, you've been thinking this for years. Just settle it once and for all. Find out. While sparking some kind of excitement within him, it was incredibly daunting for Luke to even think about. He still didn't know if it was just a curiosity or why it had always played on his mind. So he didn't tell anyone. He went back online, but this time it wasn't just to look. I got on an app and created a profile and got chatting to a bloke. Uh, I probably got chatting to a few blokes. And then uh, there was someone who I felt um, I chatted to and I felt a certain level of, um, I was going to say comfort. Uh, There was one guy I just felt relaxed with. Just the chat, you know, I told him the situation, you know, in broad terms. He was like, that's cool. No stress. There's no drama if you come over and you don't feel like doing anything. That's cool. He might have been feeding me a line, but I felt like, just do it, mate. I'm talking to myself, just do it. Uh, so I did. After being with only a couple of people in his life, all women, now Luke found himself walking up to the door of someone he'd never met for a hookup. And if that wasn't daunting enough, the someone was a guy. The heart pumping, exhilarated, you, it's it's a combination between oh, excitement and terror and everything in between. It's such a the, you can't imagine the heart pumping as I'm knocking on that door, right? And this is not my vibe normally. I'm not a I don't do random shit like that. You know that's not been my history. Do you know what I mean? It's just to the prospect of intimacy suddenly with someone who really I don't even know. That's not been what I've done. So to be doing that is totally foreign than to be doing it with a man. There's just, there's that drum roll moment where you're standing at the door, you knock on it and you're waiting for God knows who to answer. Do they match their photos? Am I going to freaking faint because I'm hyperventilating inside? Um, And it's not the best headspace to be relaxed um, and intimate with someone when your mind's spinning at a million miles an hour, you know what I mean? If you're going to 
if you're going to uh, get to notice someone in their bedroom, you, you want to be relaxed. And I was the exact opposite. Of course, of course, because after years, this was the moment, these next minutes of him opening that door. What's going to happen? But it did happen. It was as you would imagine. It was clumsy and awkward and you're overthinking every move. It wasn't my finest hour. It was very transactional. It wasn't a loving sort of environment. There was no connection between us. But I guess there was a level of physicality where I thought um, there's something worth exploring here. There's a different physicality between men and women, so it was quite a, a gear change for me. Despite it being so awkward, it wasn't like I, it scared me off. I knew that I had to try again. I knew that that first encounter wasn't a true reflection of how it could be. But I guess it started the process of answering the question about whether it was something I was drawn towards or felt was not comfortable for me. So he did try again and then again. Over time, he became more comfortable and more confident, not just in being with men, but in being single for the first time since he was 21. He continued to date women while experimenting with men too. He just didn't tell anyone about the men. This was still his own thing and something he was still working out. I was dating women, but I was also exploring myself with men where my head was at. And then I met Angelo. It was three years after the end of the marriage in a line at the pub, waiting to order a Palmer. There was a few people in the line in front of us and I think I started chatting to him and um, he was hilarious. You know, you just meet people and then you're like, you got a vibe. You're funny. You know, you can riff with them. You know, I've had a few drinks at the pub. He was a handsome bloke. I didn't think he was gay. I was just shooting the shit while I'm waiting to water a palmer. But much to Luke's pleasant surprise, he was. And he was keen. We exchanged numbers. And then we hung out and we... There was a spark. There was an X factor times a hundred. There was a real energy between us. Different to Lucy, but just intoxicating. With Angelo, I felt I could be more relaxed as we went on. I guess with him, it was the combination of the physical and the mental. I was getting to know a great guy and I was also connecting with him in a relationship intimately and we were exploring, you know, what each of us liked in all facets of our lives in and out of the bedroom. And so I became just more relaxed. The spinning cogs of my head slowed down, sort of became so much more relaxed with him. I felt I could just be myself with him in every way. And soon enough, we were in a relationship. So I hadn't told any of my mates that I was exploring this. No one knew, except for the guys involved. Not Lucy didn't know, nobody. 
I'd never even considered the prospect that I might meet a guy and then actually end up needing to out myself. But when I met Angelo, it was the only possible outcome in my mind. A few months in, I was so happy, but I couldn't talk to anyone about it because nobody knew that I was even interested in guys. Never hinted it to any of my gay colleagues at work, for instance. Within two or three months of being with Angelo, he made me realise, or the relationship, the connection made me realise, I can't hide this. I don't want to hide this. I hadn't been that happy for years, years and years. I'd not had these feelings. Whether it be with a man or woman, regardless, I had not felt this way in life for years. It was time to tell people. He not only had one big piece of news to share, but two. It was a natural next step, but a very difficult step. We all, I think a lot of people in that situation, and I did too, you know, you create in your mind the fears of what people might say or think, the judgments. People might not be as accepting of gay relationships as you thought they might be. So many doubts and fears swirl around in your head. But despite that, I still felt the best thing to do is to be honest. I worked on a radio show. It was a team of maybe seven or eight of us. We would occasionally go out for breakfast. And on this day, we went out to breakfast. And I thought, That's, this is the time. I'll tell them now because we're all together, relaxed environment. And so I said, hey, hey, because they all had, they all knew I'd been through the marriage collapse, the dark days. They sort of had been there for me, really, really great supporters. So I said, I got a bombshell for you all. Are you ready? Hold on to your hats and keys, folks. Here it comes. I'm not single anymore. I've found someone and, you know, they erupt. They're thrilled. Um, And then the kicker. And it's a man. Luke paused, waited for the reaction. He could hear his heart beating in his chest. It felt like time had stopped. And then... And they erupt again. Deep down, they're going to be fine with it. You kind of hope that that they will be accepting and loving because they love you. But I'm also thinking, will they wonder whether they've ever really known the real me? Will they be like, man, have you been lying your whole life? Do I even know you? Um, you know, you kind of fear, you think the worst case scenario, you fear that they're going to judge you or um, see that you've misled them. Not one person did. So all those fears just dissolve. Told mum. Mum, it was like she'd read a textbook the night before of what to say. She hadn't. But she said, everything I wanted to hear, or you'd hope to hear. She was loving, 
and supportive. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was... I didn't feel like she was putting on a brave face. She was just curious. And she was curious to meet Angelo, which is lovely, you know. Once you've made the decision to tell people, you then need to put that in an order. Who will I tell first? And you hope that you can trust people. They won't tell others before you get to them. But on the list, of course, was Lucy. My brother was first on the list and I told him at dinner and uh, he asked about whether Lucy knew and I said no and he said, you better get in touch with her on that. He said it in a way that worried Luke. Not only did he not sound surprised, it sounded like Lucy wouldn't be either. Luke's mind started going a million miles. How would she know? Has she seen me somewhere with Angelo? Has someone else seen me out with him and told her? Um, Has this been something she's known from something earlier and she's sat on this for a year or two? All options of what might have happened absolutely horrified me. But it wasn't any of that. Luke's brother sat him down and explained what had happened, an innocent mistake with potentially catastrophic consequences. Around the same time, iPhone brought out a new phone, which I bought, and I gave my old phone to Lucy. And I didn't restore it to its factory settings like I thought I had. So she was getting my phone two or three months into my relationship with Angelo, um, all those text messages were on that phone. We spent so many years together. We had a child together. We're still in each other's lives in a different way. I still loved her, of course, and I respected her. And she deserved better than to find out through any other way than me telling her. Yet, she did. She found out reading God knows what messages. Surely everyone knows in the early days of courting and flirting and, you know, falling in love with someone, you say all sorts of beautiful but private things. Would you want to pass that phone around for people to read? Probably not. Is it okay between you and someone you trust? Absolutely. Would you want your ex to read it? Probably not. I had noticed a cooling in her in in the recent weeks when we would be, you know, I'd be grabbing indigo So it all sort of started to make sense. I finished the dinner, could barely concentrate on the dinner, got to my car and I rang her. And I said to her, I believe you might know why I'm ringing. And the phone call that followed was then one of the most upset 
I've ever been. It was the how she found out and that I'm telling her what she may well have privately suspected for years was true. And so that's, a, I guess, just a defining moment where you've had that as a history in your relationship and then it takes the next page turns and she was right. The crying in that car from me as I spoke with her, anyone walking past must have wondered what the hell was going on. But the emotion was coming from sadness that she found out that way because she deserved better. The silver lining through it all was, of course, Angelo. He stood by Luke, his rock through it all. Oh, boy. We had a connection. We would say the same things at the same time. We would just be thinking the same stuff. It was uncanny. And also just a sweet soul, just a beautiful, beautiful person, the perfect person to help me through that. So, such warmth and love, such a perfect communicator with it all, just really helped me answer the million questions swirling in my head and, yeah, kind of kind of hoped for a better person to be there for that. So as the months went on with Angelo, separating him from Indigo, he became impractical. So there's the conversation then with Lucy about me telling Indigo about Angelo and the complications that that might cause given, the, given that up to that point she'd only ever known a man and a woman to be together. She's only five years old. So that's, you know, that's, that's where her head's at. So you want to make sure that the relationship has some likely longevity before you go introducing any child to a partner So it would have been some months in before the conversation happened, but it was very simple, yeah. So you explain that sometimes a man and a woman love each other and are together like mummies and daddies and sometimes it's a man and a man and sometimes it's also a woman and a woman. And usually it's a man and a woman, but it can be the other way as well and it's okay because they love each other and they're together because they love each other. And I would have then explained that I've found a man that I love and his name's Angelo and he's great fun and I think I think you're going to really like being around him because he's great fun. You know, you try and it's all reality. You know, you're not telling him a fairy story. This is the truth. (laughs) Angelo was everything you would hope from a person in that situation, male or female, where you're dealing with an ex and you're dealing with a young child. He was incredible. You know, you write the list of things you would hope for in a person and he ticked everything on that list. Amazing. Beautiful to watch. And he and Indigo formed a beautiful 
relationship and made it so much easier. The release and relief of something that felt um, right was incredible. That's not to say the previous relationships or my marriage felt wrong, but this was just a new version of right and it's going to sound corny, but it was like a rebirth. It was like the birth of Luke 2.0. It was like acknowledging the earlier version, but here's a new, newer version. Life continued on like this for three years. Luke 2.0 had finally found himself and a new wonderful life along with it. But as these things sometimes go, as Luke continued to grow in his life and within himself, what also grew, unfortunately, was the distance between him and his partner. I think it's probably fair to go with his version of events, which I wasn't too sure of at the time, but maybe on reflection. He thought I was not giving the relationship enough love, enough oxygen, too fixated on work. I was in a very demanding job, very demanding. God, on reflection, I can see it. When you're in it, you kind of can't. He just felt a little forgotten and left out and malnourished by me. I guess the first year or two, you're getting in the rhythm, you're learning about each other, and then you start to, there starts to be a certain repetition and you you need to invest time and energy into progressing it and continuing the growth. And he felt that I wasn't committed to that with enough energy and giving him enough energy. So we split and then we got back together and then we split again and that was it. So I know it didn't totally come out of the blue, but then one day it did in terms of he he just uh, said that's he explained the reasons and i understood i think i would have struggled to commit to give him more energy because of what was being sucked out of me by my, by my job and it's kind of stupid when i look back on it you know but yeah i i, I just sort of let it go i didn't move on easily No, it was another blow, particularly because we had that start-stop and then we ended it for the second time, but then we kept hanging out and we kept being intimate, even when it was over. And my friends are saying, mate, you can't be apart but still be running off to the bedroom together. Um, So I did and that was hard, but it was the right thing to do. And it's sad to me on reflection because... I've never found a connection like him since. You know, I'm not the one to sort of say, and he's the one that got away. But if I was, it would be him. And since then, I've had two other boyfriends for a year each. In each of those cases, I ended those relationships because I just didn't feel the connection. One year on, I just didn't feel the depth of connection that I would hope for. They were lovely guys. Lovely guys. I wouldn't have been with them if they weren't. You know what I mean? There was a definite attraction there. 
But to me, one year in, you think, is my foot on the brake or the accelerator? Where am I going with this? It felt like it was more on the brake. And so why would you keep that going? It's not fair to lead someone on if you're not feeling it. I'm still single, dating, still hopeful, you know. I know I will find the person that I settle down with for the rest of my life. I've been single long enough now um, where I'm like, I don't want to be single anymore. Single can be great fun, but I I feel like I really would enjoy connecting with someone and living the rest of my life with them. And as for the relationship with Lucy and Indigo now? We're great. We're great. We had, the three of us all had dinner last night, went out for dinner, had a beautiful night together. Um, As we say, we're a family just living under two roofs. We still love each other and I think that's important for Indigo to know. The And she sees it, the love and the respect that we have for each other. And it's real. It's not just manufactured for her. It's how we we both feel. We've still got each other's backs after all these years. I still adore her. The emotion is because I, I see that I've maybe put her on a difficult path as a single mum. We still have disagreements, parenting disagreements, but she's at the coalface every day. I'm, I'm, I'm a chipper in her, you know, I'm still doing my best to be a father that's living under a different roof. But yeah, I, yeah, it's not to say we agree on everything, but I, I can easily put those disagreements to one side when I think about the energy and love she's put into that and what she's sacrificed for the betterment of our child. And with the benefit of hindsight, Luke knows he is exactly where he needs to be. Part of me thinks I should have ignored what my dad said and explored that and let that resonate more with me when I was young and explore that. But to have done that may well then have set me on a path that hits the delete key on the best thing in my life, indigo. So although it's created a, at, and at times tumultuous uh, private life, I don't think I would want that alternate version because the, the, the joy, um, the love, the growth, the laughs, you know, all the beautiful things of being a parent, I wouldn't change that. In my head, I feel like it's, I've lived two lives. There's carryovers, you know, from the old life, of course, but yeah, it, it almost is compartmentalised in my mind as not two different people, but just two different feelings. The feeling of Luke 2.0 just feels so much more at ease with himself and relaxed and real and I feel like the crankiness in me is dissolved. I'm so much faster to 
embrace people and love. Life now is great. It's not perfect, but life feels now so much better than it did 20 years ago. Um, and that's not because of the people who were in it 20 years ago. I just feel more relaxed. I feel like this is me. It feels like a better fit. Luke 1.0 was a, a good fit, but 2.0 feels like a better fit. Everyone Has an Ex is a Minty Media production. It's written and narrated by me, Georgia Love, produced by Linda Scott and edited by Matt Sofo. If you like what you've heard, you can support the podcast by hitting subscribe, writing us a review and leaving us five juicy stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at at everyone has an ex. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, you can contact us at everyone has an ex at mintymedia.com.au.